family, you'll find the book of John, chapter 6. We'll begin to read in verse 15 for a few moments this morning. I want to speak to you on this subject, on life's troubled sea. On life's troubled sea. John, chapter 6, we'll begin to read in verse 15. I'll invite you to stand, all those that can, and are able, in honor, and in reverence for the reading of God's Word. We're in John, chapter 6, begin to read in verse 15. The Bible says, Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come, and take him by force to make him king. He departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, got into the boat, and went over the sea toward Capernaum. And it was already dark, and Jesus had not come to them. Then the sea arose because of a great wind was blowing. So when they had rowed about three or four miles... They saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat, and they were afraid. But he said to them, It is I, do not be afraid. Then they willingly received him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. Let's pray together. God, we ask that your spirit would challenge us, speak to us today. God, pray, speak through your word. God, I pray that your spirit will challenge us concerning the need that we all have spiritually today, individually around this room today, those who have never been saved to willingly receive Christ to be Lord of their life. God, those that are going through and sailing through stormy water today, God, I pray they'll be encouraged through this text. God, I pray that we'll take inventory as to how the storm came about and why we're in the storm. And God, I pray this would come to a time of invitation. Whatever it is that you desire to do, God, it will be done. God, because we yield ourselves to your will today. Father, I pray that you'll be honored and glorified through everything that is said and done here. It's in Christ's name we pray and ask these things. Amen. And I invite you to be seated. What takes place in these verses, and let me just um, say also by passing... Um, if you want to find uh, or maybe put a ribbon there, it'll, it might help you. We're not going to uh, take a break at every point, but uh, in Mark, Matthew chapter 14 and in Mark chapter 6, those are parallel passages that we'll be referencing uh, concerning what took place on this stormy voyage. But these are all after the feeding uh, of the 5,000 plus, 5,000 men plus women and children, a great miracle and need that Christ had met in their lives. And, and the Bible says in verse number 12 of John chapter 6 that they were all filled. So there was none that didn't have their physical need met. Um, they, they all have uh, 12 baskets. The disciples do. Uh, there's a surplus. So it's a great day of ministry. Uh, but often after great spiritual victories, God allows our faith uh, to be tested. And everyone here who's walked with the Lord more than a couple of days, you could stand and say that's true. Uh, when there are great spiritual victories, oftentimes that's when storms begin to come about in our lives. Now, friend, I want to say from the outset of this message, um, it would have been very easy uh, for Jonah, according to the world standards, um, there on the ship in his rebellion to say, you know, I just don't know why Satan has raised his ugly head against me and, and why God has allowed this storm to happen. Uh, because there's a lot of people that sail troubled waters, but they help create the storm. And friend, I want to remind you, you know, that if you, if you live in rebellion against God, you know, and you belong to the Lord, the Lord, the Bible says whom the Lord loves, he chastens. 
And so the storm that could have been sent to strengthen you, God is sending to chasten you, to cause you to stop going towards Joppa and Tarshish and to turn and go to Nineveh where he's leading you to go. That's what happened with Jonah. That's the reason he was in the trouble that he was in. But once he repented, he was, the word of the Lord returned to him again. He was able to begin a new walk with the Lord. That's not what's happening to the disciples here. I want you to understand from the outset, the storm that they're going to sail into, the water that gets into their boat, it's because they are exactly at the dead pinpoint place on God's green earth where exactly he wants them to be at that moment. They're in his will. So if you're here this morning, you know, and you're in rebellion against God, don't try to equate these truths to your life because, friend, listen, they're not going to work. And you're not going to find encouragement. But if you have been saved and you are following the Lord today, don't be surprised, friend, if you find yourself always in one of three places. You're either about to sail into a troubled sea, you're in the midst of a storm, or you're sailing out of one into blue sky. But you're always going to be in one of those three places as a disciple of, of Jesus Christ. And so on the sea of life, when we begin to encounter troubled water, Sometimes it is possible. I've done it. You've done it. We've all done it. We begin to question, you know, what, what is God doing? You know, what, what is he trying to, to help me to learn now? Why is, this, why is this happening? How can I grow closer to Christ through this? Well, as a disciple of Christ, I want you to be reminded of five, five things when you begin to sail into stormy water on life's troubled sea. Number one, be reminded that he is strengthening our person. God is seeking to strengthen our person. Look what the Bible says in verse number 15 of John chapter 6 again. The Bible says it's after this great spiritual victory um, that verse 15, people begin to confess and say, man, th this is truly the prophet. Man, this, this is the one, you know, Genesis 49 that Moses spoke about. This, this is him. Verse 15 says, therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force, and make him king. Now remember, this wasn't to be their spiritual king. They, they had, they had we're going to see later in John chapter 6, these people had no desire for Jesus to be spiritual Lord over their life. They thought, man, Rome will finally be gone now if we get this guy to be king. Let's put him on the ticket, and we'll, we'll vote him in immediately. And Jesus understood that. He saw their heart. And just in passing, I won't say again because it, the text bears the opportunity. Friend, listen. When someone prays, listen to me. God, forgive me a sinner. I believe you died on the cross. I turn from my sin. Be Lord of my life. Listen to me. God sees whether that prayer truly comes from a repentant heart. He sees that. And that's the reason Jesus said in Matthew 7, many in that day will say, I prayed a sinner's prayer. I went to church, I did these things. But Jesus said, depart from me, you work of iniquity. I never knew you. You said you knew me, but I didn't know you. Why? Because their sin was never taken away because they never truly repented and received Jesus to be Lord of their life. Friend, listen to me. God sees past the words and he sees your heart. He sees that, and he, he knows that. And so Jesus perceived these things, and he saw this about the crowd. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 14 and verse number 22 that he made his disciples get into the boat. 
He saw what was about to take place. They were fixing to have another test. It was the test of fame and fortune. He saw that there was this great miracle that had taken place. There was a frenzy among the crowd. Man, this is awesome. This is the prophet. This guy is amazing. And man, those, those 12 guys, they're, they're just so awesome that passed the baskets. Man, they're, they're wonderful. They're with him. Let's make him king. Well, if Jesus is going to be king, who do you think is going to be the next step in the kingdom? These 12 guys. Judas is like, oh man, I get to be treasure. My, my name's going to be on the bill. I'm going to be treasure. And all of them begin to think about what part would have begin to think about what part they're going to have in the kingdom, but not the spiritual kingdom. When you see them begin to minister in the book of Acts, they don't care about the physical kingdom anymore. Why? Because they've surrendered to the king of the spiritual kingdom. They're, all, they're, they're ready for the test then. But Jesus knows that they're not ready for that test. And so he's protecting them for what they're not ready for. Friend, I want you to listen to me this morning. We've all had to learn this the hard way. If you've never learned it or you have, you need to be reminded. Sometimes when God closes a door, it's because he loves you. It's because he loves you. You begin to pray, you know, God, open that door. Oh, God, we're just praying. God, open that door. God, open, friend, and God's shutting the door because he says, man, I, I love you. You don't need to go by, through that door. You need to trust me. You need to stay exactly where you're at. And that's a belief again, friend, listen, that if God loves us, he will never keep anything from us that is good and good for us. And so he's not going to let them walk through that door because they're not ready for the test. He's protecting them. But he is going to expose them to a test that now has the opportunity and the potential to strengthen their faith, to develop their person. Hardship, troubles, storms of life, when you're in God's will, have the ability to strengthen who you are in Jesus Christ. It has the potential to develop your faith and make you less like yourself and more like Jesus. He, he knew what was going to happen on the sea. You know, oftentimes, you know, we'll, we'll be driving down the road on a long trip, or it may just be you know, on a short trip. And it's so beautiful when you leave the house, and all of a sudden the clouds begin to storm. And, you know, and if you know, you're like, my wife does me, she's like, did you look at the weather today? Did you know it was going to rain? I didn't know it was going to rain. I didn't see that coming. I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know, what, well, they said it was only 20%. must have been 80. Maybe I saw, I didn't see that coming. Friend, listen, there's never a storm that comes that God didn't see. And God didn't know. Jesus knew the storm that they were about to sail into. He's allowing them to go into it because he wants to strengthen their person. He wants to develop their faith because, listen, he's not always going to be with them. There's going to be a time when ministry is going to begin that he's seated at the right hand of the Father and it's ready for the church to be born and, and it's time for the Great Commission to be fulfilled. And so he's trying to develop them into the person that he wants them to be. That's why James says in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 again, My brethren, those who have repented and trusted Christ to truly be Lord of their life, my brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Can I just say as, as, an, as an example, when you sail stormy seas, count it all joy when you sail stormy seas, when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. 
Let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, complete, lacking nothing. What's he saying? That your, your person, who you are in Jesus Christ, might be strengthened. That you'll look less like you, Romans 8, 29, and be further conformed to the image of Christ. That through this sailing, this hardship, your faith will be developed. He says, if you, if you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives to all liberally without reproach, and it will be given to him. God will develop you into the man or woman of God that he desires for you to be. And listen, friend, it doesn't happen when the sun's shining on your life. You grow, you develop, I grow, I develop through hardship, through stormy seas. And Jesus knew this. As we follow Christ, we will not be immune from the troubled seas that can develop our faith and bring out God's best in us. So it's right, friend, when you get into trouble to pause for just a second and say, why is this happening? God, if I, am I somewhere I don't need to be? Friend, you don't have to ask that. If you, the Holy Spirit lives in you, you're going to know it. Can I have a witness? You're going to know. You cannot sin successfully if you truly belong to Jesus Christ. But then it's right to say, you know, God, what are, not why am I here, but what are you doing? What is it you're trying to teach me? What is it you're trying to develop in me? Second, we need to be reminded that he's supporting through prayer. Not only is he strengthening our person, but he's supporting us with prayer. The Bible says in verse number 15 again of John chapter 6, Therefore, when Jesus perceived that they were about to come and take him by force and make him king, he departed again to the mountain by himself alone. Mark chapter 6, verse 46, a parallel passage the, the Bible says Mark writes, he departed to pray. He not only just goes to the mountain to be by himself, but he goes, he goes to pray. Well, did he not do his quiet time that day? Did he, did he himself need more strength at that moment? Well, he was dependent upon the Father through prayer. But what's he doing? He's praying for his disciples. He knows the storm that they're sailing into. He knows the test that he's allowing them to face and he's gone there to pray for them. John chapter 17, verses 6 through 46. I'm not going to read those 40 verses, but you can write that in the margin of your Bible. And what a, great, what a great text to sit and read just to listen to the prayer. Oftentimes, there are people who will merge in the life of the church and over several years within the, the life of the, of the church family. And in their walk with Christ, they become so mature. There's something that stands out about when they pray. Men who pray a certain way. Women who, amongst other women, that you can just tell, friend, they know how to get a hold of God when they pray. There's something about their life. It's not the flowery words, but there's power in their prayer. And so you're able to go to John chapter 17 and see how Jesus began to pray for his disciples but also for us. He's praying for all believers at all times. Luke chapter 24, uh, we know this as the ascension. Jesus is about to ascend to the Father. And the Bible says in verse number 50 of Luke chapter 24 that he led them out as far as Bethany. He lifted up his hands and he began to bless them. These, these who have gathered, these who are going to remain in the upper room and, and pray and wait for the Holy Spirit to fall on the day of Pentecost. Jesus ministered for 40 days, and the Bible says, now it came to pass 
while he blessed them, that he parted from them and was carried up into heaven. What was he doing with his hands lifted up? He was praying for them. He was praying for those individuals that they wouldn't listen to man's wisdom and say, well, let's just let's try to go start a church. He gave them instruction on what, to hap- what needed to happen. He was praying that they would be faithful to follow that. He was, he was praying for them. The author of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 7 and verse number 25 speaks of our, our great high priest. The Bible says, Therefore he's able to save to the uttermost those who come to God through him since he always lives, always, to make intercession for them. And so as these disciples begin to, to sail out into this troubled water, listen, friend, they're going to be scared for their lives. Water's getting in their boat. They've, they've been sailing for several hours. And they're not making any headway. But he's told them what direction to go. Now they're so far out into the sea, they can't go back. Now in Jesus, he's praying for them. He's, they're on his prayer list. You and I need to be reminded when we sail into those kind of stormy seas, not only is he seeking to strengthen us, but listen, he is seated at the right hand of God and he's praying for you. He's praying for you. Now, a lot of times someone will say, hey, put me on your, your prayer list. And, you know, and sometimes, if, you know, every time if that happens, friend, your prayer list is going to be two miles long. And, you know, you need to be open and honest enough to say, you know what, I'm, what I'm going to do is, often as I remember, I'm going I'm to pray for you in this situation. And the best time to do it is right then. Just pray for them. Right then. But, friend, listen, you're always on Jesus' prayer list. You think about that. You say, well, I just, I just, I need some encouragement. Jesus is praying for you. Do you know that while I stand here and preach and while you sit there and listen and while the Holy Spirit is ministering and challenging you about what he wants to do in your heart, there is a risen Savior who's praying for us right now. Jesus is alive in heaven and he's praying for us in this service. He's praying some of you will stay awake. He's praying some of you will stay focused. He's praying some of you will put up your phone and quit looking at social media and listen to what he has through his word. He's praying for those that need to be saved today. You'll quit holding on to your life and you'll surrender. He's praying for those that need to be here today, but they're doing something else, but they ought to be here, that they'll be miserable so they will be here. He's praying. He's praying for every need of this church family right now. And when you sail, friend, through the storms of life and you feel so alone in the fourth watch, that's 3 to 6 a.m., the darkest part of the night, listen to me, Jesus is praying for you. He's praying for you. He was supporting them with prayer. As he prayed for his disciples to grow in their faith, he prays for us today. Third, I want you to be reminded as we sail the stormy seas of life, he is surveilling with precision he's surveilling he's watching us he's watching what we go through well look what the bible says verse 16 and verse 17 he he they, the disciples got into the boat they went over the sea toward capernaum and it, it was already dark and jesus he had not come to them mark chapter 6 verse 47 says when evening came so now it's dark um no lights no navigation system Plus a storm, that equals hardship. And so he, 
He's, he's praying for them. He's desiring to strengthen them. But he also is watching them. Look what the Bible says in verse number 19 of John chapter 6. So when they had rode about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea. But I'm so glad, friend, for the other Gospels. Matthew chapter 4, verse 24 says that they're there in the middle of the sea being tossed by waves. And in Mark chapter 6, verse 48, it says before he ever began to go near them, he saw them straining for the wind was against them. Now listen, Jesus was all human, but he was also all God. And so he saw exactly where they were pinpointed on the sea in the darkness, rowing against the wind. You need to put that in the margin of your Bible. Matthew chapter 6, verse 48 says, He saw them straining. He saw them. One of the things that the devil will try to use, friend, to, to turn you away from your faith in Christ and pressing on trusting Jesus is to say, Well, if, if God really loves you, why is, why is this not changed? Why is the wind still blowing? Why do you feel the way you feel? You're, you're so alone. If God really saw what was happening, something would change. Well, friend, you're not going to find that in Scripture anywhere. But what you will find in Scripture is this. There's never a troubled sea and a headwind that you sail into that God is not watching you as it happens. Now, remember, he sent them into the storm. He's trying to strengthen their person. He's, he's praying for them while they're going. But not only is he praying, he's watching them. He's watching them. Uh, when I was pastor of a church in Alabama, um, we had a kindergarten in the, in the school. It had a couple hundred children that, that came. It was a great outreach ministry. And our kids began to go to that um, kindergarten when I was the pastor. We still got a picture of, uh, I'm surprised Melissa could take the, the picture with all the tears that were falling down her face as I was leading the kids into school for the very first time they'd ever been to school. And I was crying to, I wore my sunglasses into the church like I was Joe Cool that day, but I was trying to hide my tears. But as we took them to their each little classes, they didn't know it. But I would come down from my office and I would come downstairs and I would peek around the corner and I would, I would watch them. Because I was wanting to see how they were playing with blocks and playing with others. I, I wanted to observe them. They were going through this new situation. But friend, listen, they were always on my mind that whole day. And Melissa was calling me every five seconds. Have you checked on them? Have you checked on them? Have you looked, are they okay? Are they all right? Is everything okay? Friend, I, I wanted to keep my eye on them. I wanted to watch them. Listen, there's never a storm that you go into. Your heavenly Father's not watching you. He loves you. He, he's concerned about you. Don't you ever believe the devil's lie that the reason you're going through this must be because God doesn't love you. You're going through it because he does love you. He wants to bring out something in you that can only come through a test. And friend, listen, he wants to get something out of you that doesn't belong there anymore. And so he loves you. He's, he's watching you. He's, he's observing you. Write down Psalm 121, verses 3 through 4 there in the margin of your Bible. And listen to what the psalmist writes in Psalm 121. The Bible says in verse number 3, He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you 
will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Now listen to this again. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who keeps you will not slumber. Behold, he who keeps Israel shall never slumber nor sleep. Do you know that that verb keeps in the Hebrew can also literally be translated watches? Watches. You know, from time to time, if you're like us, you'll have to, when our kids were younger, we're not having to do it as much anymore. When we were younger, Melissa and I might have something that we had to go to, an appointment that we couldn't take the kids. And so we would call someone and say, hey, can you, can you, can you watch the kids for us? Well, we didn't want somebody just to sit and just stare at them. We wanted somebody who would keep them for us. Can you, can you take care of them? Just like a shepherd keeps his flock, he watches them. He keeps them by watching them. And so listen to that when you literally translate it that way. Listen. He will not allow your foot to be moved. He who watches you will not slumber. Behold, he who watches Israel shall never slumber nor sleep. There'll never be a time in your life, friend, that your heavenly Father is not watching you. He watches you. Some of you are going through storms today. Say, Man, I, just, I feel so alone in this. Friend, if you've been saved, you're not alone. The Holy Spirit lives in your heart. But I'm telling you, you say, well, does God see what's happening? The Bible says on authority of His Word, He watches you. He sees what's happening in the midst of your storm. Not only does our Lord support us with prayer, but there is never a moment that we are out of His watchful sight. Psalm 32 and verse 8 says... He guides us with His eye. He guides us with His eye. So He is strengthening our person. He is supporting us with prayer. He is surveilling us with precision. He sees exactly where we are and what is happening. But notice these last two things. It's things that He will do as we yield ourselves to His will. Look what the Bible says in verse number 19 of John 6. So when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near the boat. And the Bible says that, that they, became, they became afraid. Mark chapter 6, verses 4 through 8 says that it was the fourth watch of the night. That's from about 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., the darkest part of the night. They've been rowing in this, this hard storm. And the Bible says in Mark chapter 6, verse 48, that, that Jesus, he came to them. And John chapter 6, verse 19 says, they saw Jesus and they, they were afraid. Mark 14, verse 26 says, they saw him and they were troubled. So here they are rowing. He's been praying for them. He's watching them. And now he goes to them. And so, but when they see him, they don't recognize him. And they begin to be troubled by what it is that they see while he's watching them. The Bible says they, they thought he was a ghost. Now, don't miss this, friend. Jesus was looking for them, but they weren't looking for Jesus. The storm had become so difficult and so challenging, they began to so focus on the water and the waves that they'd forgotten about Jesus. Jesus had told them to go on before him. Literally, that means you go on to the other side before me. He didn't tell them to go out into the middle of the sea and drown. He said, you get in the boat and you go to the other side. There was a promise in that. 
But in the midst of the storm, they took their eyes off of Jesus and they got it on onto the storm itself. We don't have time to develop what Matthew bears out, but Peter, he even gets out on the water. And he exercises faith that nobody else chose to. Everybody always gives Peter a hard time because he sunk, but nobody else got out of the boat. Nobody else had the, the faith to get out and to seize that opportunity. But why did he begin to sink? He took his eyes off of Jesus. He looked at the circumstances. And so here comes Christ walking on the water. Why not? He made gravity. He can do with it what he wants to do. And so here he comes, and they begin, they begin to think he's a ghost. Friend, if you're not careful, God will begin to work in your life, and you won't even recognize what God is doing because you're so focused on the problem. You're listening to the waves. You're, you're seeing the water come into your boat. And listen, God's trying to work in your life at that very moment, and you can't even see it. You won't even recognize the hand and the face of God in the midst of your problem because, listen, you're not even looking for him. Friendless, it's, it's, not, it's not sinful to want a way out. Nobody in their right mind, again, wants to experience hardship and challenges. That's not what James means. James says the joy that we have in, in the midst of a hardship is we know in the end result what God's going to do. Romans 8, 28, he is going to work it out for good. But again, it's one of the worst things we can think of. No one says, oh, thank God it came back positive. I've got cancer. God's in the midst of this storm. Nobody thinks that way. If they do, listen, they've got something wrong with their mind. Nobody does that. Nobody's wrong to want the wind to stop blowing. But what you are wrong and what I am wrong to do, friends, is not to be looking for Jesus in the midst of the storm. And so he began, he began to come for them. But, but they weren't looking. He was looking for them, but they weren't looking for him. Mark 6, 45, he had told them to go before. They weren't looking for him in the midst of the storm. The Bible says in verse number 20, in the midst of their fear, he begins to soothe them. He begins to, he begins to speak to them. He'll soothe us with his presence. He said to them, it is I do not be afraid. In the midst of their fear, he soothes them with his word. My friend, oftentimes when people are going through challenges, I'll, in person, through a call or through text, I will say that I'm praying for you. My friend, I want to do one of the greatest things that I can do for you and you can do for somebody else is to share God's word with somebody. Just to give them a piece of scripture that can be of encouragement. We won't be in the presence of God face-to-face, -face, but my friend, listen, whether someone writes you a letter or they're standing in your presence saying it to you, you've heard from that person. And when you turn to God's Word, my friend, it is as good as you standing in the presence of God Himself, Him speaking to you. It's the power of His Word. Jesus soothes them with His presence because He begins to speak to them. What is it He says? He says, it's I do not be afraid. I'm, I'm here. Mark chapter 6, verse 50. He says, be of good cheer. And they think, there's water in our boat. The storm's raging. How do you expect us to be in good cheer? Because Jesus was there, friend. He was there. And friend, listen. I'd rather be in a storm with Jesus than on a calm sea with the devil. It's a decision you've got to make as a disciple. Who do you want to follow in life? 
Do you want to follow Christ or do you want to follow the devil? When you follow Jesus, there are going to be troubled waters that we're going to have to sail through from time to time. And he's got a purpose. He's doing something. He's promised to pray for us. He's going to watch us in the midst of our storm. He'll, he'll soothe us. He says, be of good cheer. He's going to go through the storm with us. Hebrews 13, 5. He says, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll never do that. Matthew 28, 19 through 20. Lo, I am with you always. Always. He says, I will be with you. There will never be a time as a child of God, as you follow Jesus Christ, that he will not be with you. You may depart from him, but he'll never depart from you. You follow Christ, friend. Listen, it goes without saying, listen to me. If you follow Jesus, you're always going to be where Jesus is. Think about that. As a follower of Jesus Christ, if you follow Christ, you'll always be where he is. I remember when we were little uh, and you know, we'd be in the woods at night um, that I'd always run up behind my, my Uncle Tommy and we would go coon hunting with him and I'd just run right into the person in front of him. Well, friend, I want to tell you, I want to make sure I wasn't getting left behind. And somebody might be lost, but I wasn't going to be lost. Where they went, that's where I wanted to be. Because they were going back to the truck, which was bringing me back to my bed, and that's where we wanted everything to end. If you follow Christ, you'll always be where he is. And he soothes us with his presence. He soothes us with his word. But fifth, I want you to notice this as we close. Not only will he soothe us with his presence, but he'll save us by his power. He delivers us from the storm at, at some point. Notice what the Bible says. I'm, I'm so glad the Holy Spirit led John to write it this way. Verse 21 says, Then they willingly received him into the boat. They willingly received him into the boat. Friend, if you want to stale, sail the storms you're going through by yourself, that's exactly what God will let you do. But if you want him to lead you through it, you can willingly receive him. If you've never been saved, that's a choice you've got to make. God, want, Jesus wants to be captain of your life. Whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But you've got to willingly choose to do that. And if you want to, if you want to continue to row against the wind, that's exactly what God lets you do. But if you want to sail through the storms of life as you follow him, friend, listen, he will, he will grace you, he will soothe you with his presence. But if you'll allow him in time when he's ready, he'll save you from the storm. He'll save you from the storm. And thanks be to God, oftentimes, friend, he saves us from ourselves, from foolish, bad decisions that we're going to make. And the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 51, that when Jesus spoke, the wind ceased. When he said, that's enough. Now listen to me. He knew they needed the storm, but he knew when they had had enough of the storm. Did you hear that? It started, but it had a stopping point. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but are you going through a storm today? Are you in some troubled waters of some kind? It's really challenging you. It had a starting point, didn't it? You remember when it started. Friend, on the authority of God's word, listen to me. The wind's going to stop blowing at some point. This that is won't always be. This that is will not always be. The sun's going to shine again on your life. 
And then, if we're still here, listen, there's going to be another storm. But what you're learning now about Christ and yourself is going to make you stronger for the next storm that comes. It's going to happen. God's, he's doing something. He saves us by his power. The Bible says at verse number 21, they willingly received him in the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land where they were going. I mean, just like that. The Bible doesn't say that they kept sailing along and Jesus helped them to row, or he's saying, you know, Peter, row the boat to shore. It didn't say he say, did any of that. Immediately the wind ceased. Boom! They're at the land where they were going. How did that happen? By the almighty power of God. And friend, he'll do that in our lives. When he's ready for the wind to stop, it'll stop. He has, he has that power. We've got to trust that. He had sought to strengthen them, and now the test, it was over. He could have saved them at any time. He saw what was happening. He was praying for them. He could have, from where he was, he could have stopped it. But he went to them so they could learn a lesson. There's never a troubled sea that will ever sail that God doesn't allow us to sail into. Listen, friend, he either sent it or he allowed it. Every stormy sea that we go get into and begin to sail upon, God either sent the storm or he allowed us to sail into it. One of the two. One of the two. He has a plan. He has a purpose. And there's never a troubled sea, friend, that he can't save us from. Don't ever be one of these who says, well, there's just so many things that are happening in this world. I just, it's just beyond God's reach. Friend, there's nothing that's beyond God's reach. Nothing. There's no problem that happens in your life. There's no storm that begins to blow that is beyond the reach and the power of God. I'm, I'm out of time, but I want you to notice in verse number 20 this. The Bible says, but he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. He saved them by their power. Do you know literally translated, it is I? You know what it says? I am. I am. Do not be afraid. Remember in Exodus chapter 3, Moses says, you know what? Well, Pharaoh's going to want to know. The children of Israel are going to want to know. Who is it that has sent me? And he says, you tell them I am has sent you. I am. God always was. He is. And praise his name. He always will be. He is the great I am. And Jesus spoke, Jesus spoke words of comfort to them through his presence. He says, I am here. And friend, he's here today. It's a challenging day in the world. And it is a challenging day for ministry. But the I am, the great I am, is still in our midst. He's still leading and guiding and directing us. Psalm 46, verses 1 through 7. Oh, what an encouragement. Write these verses down in the margin of your Bible. Listen, it says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, even though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea. Though its waters roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with its swelling, there's a river whose streams shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God shall help her just at the break of dawn. The nations raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice and the earth melted. The Lord of hosts, the I am, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob, praise his name. He's our refuge. Friend, in the midst of your storm, God will be there. He's doing something. He has a plan. 
But notice what the Bible says in verse 21. They willingly received him. It's a choice every person has to make. I want to ask you today, have you ever willingly received Jesus to be captain of your life, to be Lord of your boat? If you've never done that, won't you do it now? It's the most important decision you'll ever make. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. If you died today, are you 100% certain you go to heaven? Has there ever been a moment, listen, where the Spirit of God convicted you of your lostness and you chose to turn and willingly receive Jesus into the boat of your life? If you've never done that, won't you do it? He died on the cross, Finn, to pay for your sin that separates you from God. He rose from the dead, guaranteeing He can raise you spiritually from the dead. But you must choose willingly to receive Him. If you've never done it, tell Him so right now. That's what you want to experience. His saving touch upon your life, and He'll do it. Pray just like this and mean it with all your heart. God, forgive me of my sin. I believe Jesus died for me. I believe He rose again. And here in this place today, I want Jesus to be Lord of my life. I willingly receive Jesus into the boat of my life. Now guide me and direct me. You sail the ship where you want it to go, and I'll follow you all the days of my life. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Did you pray that? Did you mean it? When they begin to sing in a moment, I'm going to stand right down here at the front. I want to encourage you in what God wants to do next in your life. Friend, in one way or another, we who serve Christ today, we're on stormy waters. We're on stormy waters. Many of you in here today, I know, I know the storm that you're sailing in. And I want to encourage you through God's Word today to be of good cheer. God is strengthening you. Jesus is praying for you. He's watching over you now. Be comforted by His presence and by His holy promise. He's going to deliver you soon. And one of these days, friend, just like that, we're going to be on heaven's bright shore, safely with Jesus forevermore. Father, speak to your church. Challenge us. Encourage us today, God. I pray whatever it is, Holy Spirit, you're wanting to accomplish in every heart and life, it'll be done because we willingly receive your will into our lives today. It's in Christ's name we pray. Let's reverently stand our feet.